Hello, everybody. It is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. This is What the Frick Live. I'm your host, Emily, and I have another host with me, Rick. What's going on, Rick? Oh, my goodness. Hello. Hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. How are you? I am doing great. First Friday in February, the first month of 2023 down. Where did it go? Exactly. I don't remember January at all. Like, I know we did a couple of these shows, but it's just time, time's flying by, right? Time goes by so having, fast. Having so much fun. It is. It is. It's going by su- super, super fast. And I want to say thank you, everybody, for tuning in at 107.7 FM, New Orleans. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We are live on several different platforms tonight. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're live on LinkedIn. We're live on Rumble. So, of course, I'm going to go through my <laughs> thing I do every week. Maybe I should make a video of this. This should be yeah. my intro. Uh, <laughs> if I were up. you, I'd, I'd make me do it. Go ahead, Rick. Go we're, ahead. We're, hey, everybody. We're coming to you live from Facebook and TikTok and um, my basement. Um, everybody tune in. Click to subscribe. From your basement. Yeah. Like, we love the hearts. The hearts show up better than... Then the yes. things everybody we Give need us to. a heart on Facebook. <laughs> Real quick though, if you are watching via Facebook and we are using StreamYard, so if you start making comments or have questions and it comes up username, your pic your picture's not there. Unfortunately, sorry, you gotta do an extra step. You gotta go to streamyard.com backslash Facebook and give StreamYard permission to use your name and your picture. So we appreciate everybody. If you're watching via YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Ring that bell is what my son would say. And if you're watching by Rumble, give us a positive Rumble over there. He puts us more in the algorithm. So we need that a whole lot. So smash the like button. Click to subscribe. Yes. Subscribe, like, follow, all those fun things. So we have a really amazing guest on tonight, though. And Ricky, you have a lot of common with him in some of your past expertise. <laughs> it's not even a little true. So a lifetime ago, I was a law enforcement officer myself, and everybody dreams of having the career that Ignacio had. And let me tell you, my experiences were not nearly as exciting as some of the stuff that I've learned about from him recently. So I'm looking forward to hearing some of the stories and being extremely jealous and intimidated. <laughs> I, I might be intimidating some too with him, but I'm not jealous because it sounds very dangerous. I, I'm envious, maybe. I don't know. I don't think I could ever do the lifestyle that he was a part of for many, many years. So, who are uh, who's our guest tonight? It's Ignacio Esteban. Um, he is a recently retired special agent for the ATF. That's Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms within the United States uh, Department of Justice. He's written many, many books. He practiced mostly in Florida, Miami area, which we all know about Miami, and Tampa, which I didn't think Tampa, because I have family that's retired there. So I don't think Tampa so much, but I've been to Miami plenty of times. I can understand Miami. We're going to bring him on. He's written so many books over the, uh, the last year and a half since he's retired. So let's bring him on right now. Ignacio Esteban. Hey guys, hey, thank you. That's a great intro. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining us, man. That's fantastic. Glad to be on your show again. And first time with Rick. I I, I like it. Thank Thank you. And anybody's listening right now, I had him on before. It was just me, me and him, and um, we got we got red flagged. (laughs) 
<laughs> hopefully, hopefully won't won't get red flagged tonight. But I'll tell you this: if we do get red flagged, because Emily's a lot smarter now, <laughs> I have backups, and and I, it's on my website. We're streaming live from my website, emilymissas.org. So go there, oh, and cool. it will be there afterwards. So oh, I can re-download and do whatever then. Good. So, but thank you so much for coming on with the Freak Lab. We appreciate you and all the hard work you've done, oh, um, and you. the story. I've read several of your books now too um and the things that you do uh you work very hard very dangerous lifestyle your family not just you but your family sacrificed a lot amazing so oh, thank, thank you, you. Oh, yes. thank you guys thank, thank you very much. much appreciate it. yeah it's, it's definitely not work for everybody and uh once you get involved in that lifestyle you you really really have to get get focused and and, and a lot of people get burnt out and I, I just have found ways just not to get burnt out. And I really enjoy working the cases and the variety of cases of people don't know what, what kind of cases ATF agents work. I mean, you know, we work cases on, you know, repeat violent offenders. We work cases on gang members, uh, armed drug dealers, international firearms traffickers, domestic firearms traffickers, uh, work cases on armed home invaders, uh, murder for hire cases. I mean, it's just a slew of things with organized crime and everything we work and, and stuff. So, it's it's an interesting life, but if, of course, you know you can only have you know one bad meeting, and it, it'll go bad really quickly for you. So you gotta always be on top of your game, your instincts, and we'll talk about some some interesting stories in my book. I think you can see my my poster behind me. Right? Yes, I see it with yeah, your badge on it. Yeah, it's 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 from my my cover of my book, ATF Undercover. So it's uh, it was cool. I, I almost called the book actually originally it's called Eight Eight My ATF Life. Then I changed to ATF undercover, but I was going to call the accidental agent because, uh, as you mentioned, you almost went to. You told me before the show you almost went to law school. I almost went to law school, right? Mm -hmm. And and I maybe we'll I pick up there. I almost went to law school too. You almost went to law school. <laughs> it's like yeah, I got LSAT. accepted. I passed my LSAT. I got accepted. Yes. My ex-husband wouldn't move at the time, so yeah. Ah, uh, I didn't. I wasn't really happy. I accepted Thomas Cooley, and that's in Lansing, Michigan. And, and it's, it's okay. really cool. Oh, oh, oh. Go, go Michigan. I'm a Michigan fan. Yeah. Uh, are, are you also going to accept Lansing, Michigan, Rick? No, no, no. I was going to be uh, <laughs> on UGA. Um, oh, UGA. Okay. Not, not far from home. Um, I don't know if they, I say, to fly out of Atlanta, uh, fly out of Atlanta, fly out of Miami um, to spend four or five years in, in Michigan. Michigan's great, but that's it's not cool. Miami. That's hot sure. to cold. No, it, it would have been absolute extreme for me. It would have been brutal. But uh, I, I was able to start, and I was at FIU. You know where that's at, Florida International University. Mm -hmm. Working on my master's in international relations. Because my, I graduated from uh, up in Tampa, St. Louis University, with a bachelor's in political science and history. So I really, since a young age, I love politics. I love history. That's in my DNA, I guess, maybe because my, my grandfather, he was a politician in Cuba, very anti-Castro. And so I grew up with that in my, in my culture. Uh, you said you went to Palmetto High School, so you know obviously about you know you know Castro, the communists, and, and oh no, I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm descendant of of Cubans. Um, Cuban also, Mario. Yep. Oh, okay. So oh. he 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 lived it too. So he he knows it, man. And and you hear the stories from when you're young. And I even wrote a book, if you guys like, called Castro and the Mob: The Rise and Fall of the Mafia in Havana. When when Castro came to power, Havana. it was the end, end of the mafia, and uh, Sato Traficante he put him in jail for for about you know, a few months, you know, Meyer Lansky left when he, the day before he came in uh, to Havana with, and he left everything behind, you know, Havana Riviera, all, the, all these big mobsters that had all this money, 
lost it all just like that. That's an interesting read there. So that's part of the culture that we're in Miami and what we're experiencing because our families lost everything. Hardworking families lost everything. Everybody yeah. leaves. So that's part of the story I tell with Castro and the Mile. Fascinating what, story there. What year were you, and you were in South Florida, right? Going to high school. What years were you in high school? I graduated in 89. So you, I mean, you, you remember, like you were like Escobar, you know, drug war, you know, cocaine cowboys, Medi yeah, cartel. Really. Like this is what you grew up with. Like I remember, I knew the stories, right? I knew the, the kind of nostalgia that growing up in Miami, you'd, you'd hear these things, but oh, hanging out on the beach and all this crazy stuff, but you were, you watched it happen live. So how much did that growing up in Miami affect your decision to become, you know, law enforcement? Um, that, that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, obviously you watch Miami Vice, right? You, you, you grew up watching Miami Vice. Yes. yes, yes. I had a message Rick Tanata said literally, we're interviewing Miami Vice tonight. I know. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so jealous. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're, you look at those kind of shows. You, you, that's a place you back your head, right? Mm-hmm. Or you watch like The Untouchables. That was during one of my high school years. That's a great movie. Mm-hmm. You know, in '87, right there. He's Elliot Ness, a legacy ATF agent, Bureau of Prohibition. Eventually, the agency becomes what's today ATF. So he's a legacy ATF agent, which is a cool story told there. You know, t- taking on one of the biggest mobsters. From the Chicago outfit, right? I wrote a book about that, Chicago crime bosses. So, you know, I write a lot of short books. That way you can read it. And if you know about subject matter, you understand it. And then you can do a deeper dive on bibliography and really get in the weeds if that's something you like. So, yeah, Miami Vice was there. Uh, you see, and just look, local news. It was enormous the amount of seizures of drugs you would see every day, day in and day out, being from Miami. You The, the local news, WSVN. I mean, you, you know, WVN, you had a big guy there named Rick Sanchez at the time. I remember him. Yes. He was always pumping up, sensationalizing. And yeah. you're watching this stuff. And you're like, man, this, this is Miami. This is what, you know, you grew up in and you watch. So I, it's like you, we talked before, law school's expensive, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, man, still, like, even then, the mid-90s, we're looking at now about 95. And so I decided to start putting in for some Fed jobs. You know, it's funny. Windows 95 just came out. The Internet's brand new. I decided to buy myself a computer, right? And I, I teach myself, and this is back then, emails, and I taught myself how to go online surfing, and the federal jobs were advertising federal jobs then. It started then. So people really didn't know. This is, I was way ahead of myself. What's the internet? What the heck are you doing with, with your email address? No one, a lot of my people didn't know what all this stuff was in 95. Windows made it easier. You know how hard, remember with DOS, it was to go on a computer? It, it, it really wasn't easy. And Windows just changed everything. So that was part of it. And because of my background I spoke Spanish, I had a background in cultures, customs, and these Spanish speakers because 90% of the flights coming in were from Latin America. So it was a no-brainer. And I said, Shit, I, I can be making quite a bit of money being working with customs as an official. They train you. I'm athletic. I, back in college, I also played tennis. as a scholarship, played number one for the university I played with. Uh, so I was a very fit person. I ran a lot, swam a lot, and my dad taught me to shoot also. So we also used to go to Tamiami Gun Range. Uh, which is out there on A Street. I don't know if you're familiar with there. And we used to do a lot of shooting there too. So I grew up also, my dad was a gun enthusiast. He liked it. So it, it just ended up being a good fit for me. And I picked up with customs and man, the rest was history for sure. Where did they send you through? Did you go through a Fletzy? Yeah, I did. Where is that? Where was that at? Glencoe, Georgia. In, we in New Brunswick. Yeah. yeah, we went through yeah. New Mexico. Um, oh, okay. Wow. What's, so you- what's the name of the city? Artesia? Yup. Wow. Yeah. Border Patrol. That's where Border Patrol goes, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Well, there's a couple, small, right? Small, couple small, agencies yeah, out of there. Yeah, um, yeah. It's funny, right? Like, so I was, 
I wasn't military. I wasn't uh, in you know, prior law enforcement. A lot of guys, you know, were military. A lot of guys were, um, you know, fresh out of local PD jobs. And we show up there and I have, you know, the most fun probably of my life is just training, um, you know, for my my new DHS law enforcement gig. And it's funny, like I, I hear your story and I'm like, man, your life and your career is what we all expected to have. Right. Everybody who's going through the, the training and, and you're shooting and you're constantly shooting and you're you know kicking down doors, and you're learning all the laws like, oh, my God, this is going to be my career. And then, you know, I did it for almost 10 years and. I don't have any exciting stories to tell. Yeah. And so I read your book and I'm like, man, you know, he, he was able to do it. Uh, I, I say do it right. And I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with me, but I, my question is where did you know, getting into it that you wanted to have this type of career? Were you looking for that almost constant action? It feels like yeah, there, there's a lot of action. I wanted some action for sure. I mean, you, you get all that, you know, fed to you. You, you see cops, right? You, you see all these shows online and you, you, and you talk to people and I'm athletic. I'm young, right? I got into my early 20s, pretty much right out of college. I went to that. So I'm a very fit guy. I, I like, you know, I'm, I'm a person that likes to see things. And uh, I, with customs, I wasn't sure because you meet a lot of people. I went with, into customs, which is a little different. Because you're dealing with, with the border, right? Mm-hmm. And I was at the airport. You don't need probable cause. You don't need anything to arrest people, to search people. It's, it's, it's border authority. Everybody's subject to search. It's going to be a completely different game when I go into ATF. But there, you, you learn a lot and you, you network a lot. And I went into the contraband enforcement team, which is the elite team of the uh, of customs. And, and then it was part of the Department of Treasury. And at the time in the 90s, Medellin, uh, Cali cartels, you know, Escobar, as we yeah. mentioned, they're still pumping a lot of drugs through Colombia and, and transshipment countries to through Florida and through the Caribbean. So it is coming. So it, it's not just getting smuggling boats, but they, they have it's such corruption at the airport and seaport with the longshoremen and ramp workers that they're pumping in thousands of pounds right through the airport uh, on cargo airplanes and then getting ripped off. I mean, that's how corrupt it was in the 80s and 90s. Things were out of control. So. It wasn't uncommon. I had some huge seizures out there with a the set team. Uh, we were making some of the biggest seizures in the country at the time for customs. Uh, 850 pounds, you know, we'll get from Guayaquil, Ecuador coming in. And it was in the groupers and you would have a block of ice next to a block of kilo. Right. And, and that stuff was never going to go to the designated, uh, you know, who was supposed to pick it up. It's got that got stuff going ripped off in a truck and off it goes. So that, that happens a lot. Uh, a lot of times we'll get you know stuff in the stems of flowers. I mean, we'll get, you know, lots of dope. And so these guys get really, really creative and they want to get the stuff in quickly. And, and that's how I end up meeting a lot of people because you make a lot of seizures, a lot of arrests. Uh, we had people, I think I mentioned maybe in the last show, Emily, swallowers, guys who will swallow, oh, swallow the stuff. Yeah. Pellets. Condoms and uh, things. Oh, my God. That is insane. And I feel bad because a lot of this, some, not all of them, some of them got paid well, but some people were like peasants that the cartels threatened their family. To do this and if they don't they get killed that amazes me though because i would think stomach acid would would dissolve that sometimes in like it does. no time sometimes we get the calls the dead on arrival and because some of them swallow too many and they only have you know a certain time to get there before you have some issues like that and they gradually do dissolve and some of them die especially if you have heroin i mean by the time in the mid-90s heroin was becoming a big product that was coming right to uh to Florida through Colombia and a lot of these mules and they will load them up on the plane 
And I, I'll be honest with you, we were lucky. Maybe we, we would catch, if there were 10 in a plane, maybe two or three. So it's it's good business for these guys to prompt them in. And you've got so many airlines that were coming from Avianca, American Airlines, uh, events. I mean, you got so many airlines coming into uh, South Florida with these people. And it's, well, it's, it's a not process. just airlines. It's not just airlines, though, Ignacio. And, and from what I've read, you've lived this. So I can't tell. I can't be in your shoes. I'm just a little Appalachian girl in Kentucky. But <laughs> I've watched a lot of documentaries. And there's a documentary on HBO called The Invisible Pilot, which he mm. was the father of two or three people or something like that. And he he ended up smuggling a lot of gun, gun running, um, cocaine, um, I believe some heroin, I think. Um, and he conducted the travel. He was the invisible pilot. Like they took him off radar, even the US government to travel some of some of the biggest loads of drugs and guns into our country. Yeah. I mean, is, right. does that still go on to this day? Do we still because I watch other um, people on YouTube and things like that that give us up-to-date things of air traffic control, like all these ex-military people that, that are trained in this, and they have these certain uh, programs, and so they show us what's going on in Washington, D.C., in and out, or what's going down to Guantanamo Bay, all, all that kind of stuff. I mean, if they can have an invisible pilot back then, do they still have invisible pilots now that's still smuggling? Oh, they're still smuggling big time. It's not just it's not from Colombia. I mean, the Colombian cartels are done. It, the ones who are the most powerful now are the Mexican cartels. Cartels, right? Yeah. Oh, Mexican, Mexican cartels. It, they're the king. They're the king of they, the drug game. Do they run our street gangs? I think so. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I put that in the books there on the Mexican mafia, the ties with MS-13 and other ones and uh, they they really really they're they're using them to pump in a lot of the drugs and they're selling them uh, on the streets and and they're, they're getting of course the land border i think is a lot easier because the corruption there's a lot and there was corruption when i was there so they, it just as my first couple months on the job right i'm, I'm in my early 20s and uh, we're looking at 1996 i just came back from the academy right you got the nice shiny badge, right? Oh, yeah, you're, you're in phenomenal shape, ready to conquer the world, ready to kick some. You know what? And and uh, all of a sudden, I, I noticed that one one of our supervisors, he just looked really nervous all the time. There's like something not right about him. And uh, a few weeks later, the agents, because you know we're inspectors, but we're officers, we carry guns, we have arrests and everything else. The agents end up arresting him and a couple other inspectors. And I was like, what happened here? And I don't know if you remember where Tamiami Airport was in Kendall, a very mm -hmm. small airport. Kendall, uh, I know what Private about. airport, yeah. Private airport. So we have custom officials there. We have international flights come in, the small aircrafts come in there. Is that for major planes, but private, like you were talking about? Yeah. The flights will come in loaded with dope, with, with cocaine from uh, South America or the Caribbean. And he would clear it himself. He would go in there, clear the flight himself. And then have the Hondo Police Department uh, do the escort of all the drugs going into somewhere else, and I think also Hollywood was involved. And that was a big thing. Oh, back Hollywood's in always involved. Politics, Hollywood. How much? How much does he make? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to ask Rick. Good. I know that was your question. I stole it. I'm no, sorry. No, 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 it's good. But I had. No. How much does that guy make? What is? What does that cost What's for him to sell? What's the worth? Yeah. Yeah. When you're making that, it's 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 probably he's got paid a, a good million dollars or two million dollars. 
to do stuff like that. That's mid nineties. That's before inflation. Is that per, is that per and, transaction? Is, is it, yeah. Is it, and it's now maybe it could be, I, I, I didn't find out what he made exactly, but can you imagine your chief is involved in that and you've been on the job a few months and all of a sudden it's front page of the paper and you're thinking, what did I walk into in Miami? And it's not uncommon. You see the ramp workers getting arrested all the time at the airport, the longshoremen at the seaport getting arrested. Uh, we had other customs officials getting arrested. I mean, and I hate to say the land border, you see a lot of corruption, a lot of problems also. And on top of that, you have all these secret tunnels, right, from Mexico to our oh, country. Yes. We got a lot of tunnels. And uh, you, you, El Chapo became the master of the tunnels. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. El Rapido, they used to call that guy. El Rapido, he was escaping quickly. <laughs> we hear about the, the South border, right? And I think a lot of people's mind go to, we can look into the sky and we can see like millions of years into the past, right? Like the things we can see, like pinpoint on the moon. And now we have a rover on Mars oh, and all oh, that stuff. Yeah. And you mean to tell me that we don't have the technology to make it to where we can't detect these tunnels and, you know, put an end to it. Like, come on, what's going on down there, Ignacio? Like, yeah, how, how can you not figured out a way to prevent this? Yeah, there's, there's a lot a lot of issues there. They have, they have to, there's so many tunnels. Plus, don't forget, on the other side, there's a lot of corruption. And, and Which, Lopez Obrador, he, he, he's, his tactics there, a lot, a lot of people deem him a socialist out in Mexico. And I hate to say it, all of Central South America has gone to the left more than ever before. Oh, I yeah. believe that. Yeah, yeah. You, you have Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela, very, very corrupt. Uh, you have now Brazil now, one with the leftists, uh, Silva. You, you, it's just it's just the whole thing is going as a house of cards that's is about to collapse. And Lopez Obrador has been you know, attacked very soft with cartel leadership. Very Do you soft. think it's going to collapse, though? I, I think so. I think Mexico is, as a the corruption is so bad in Mexico, and the cartels are so powerful. We talked about El Mencho Cervantes so, and CJNG. They're now the big rivals for Sinaloa, and they and they've come up the ranks big time. And uh, he used to be prior law enforcement in Mexico, and 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 that's what he knows the game, right? And he became very and, and he's very violent and ruthless. He doesn't care if you're law enforcement, military. They use RPGs. They shot down uh, military helicopters. I mean, th this is a different level. But this guy Cervantes is not like El Chapo or Escobar. Well, you knew where Escobar lived in that big palace. You know, Chapo was pretty risque himself having, after he escaped a second time, if you never read the article, read the article that Rolling Stone did when Sean Penn and Kate Del Castillo yes, went to interview him in the mountains in the Sinaloa after he escapes a second time, how brazen this is, where he has a celebrity and he is bragging about how he killed the most people and he's, he sold more drugs than anyone in the history of the world. Why is Sean Penn always involved? You know I want to know I, about I don't that. Think, I, I, I don't think he escapes a third time now that he, he's out there Florence, at, at Supermax in Florence, uh, Colorado. But, you know, Why is Sean Penn always involved, though? Why There's always some Hollywood <laughs> element. Sean Penn is involved with all of this stuff. Even over in Ukraine, he's involved. Yes. Sean Penn there. Did you, did you see that special he did when he went to Haiti? How bad things were after the Ukraine. He he just goes all over all over the world. He he did a movie when he went to uh, Africa too. I forget what was it uh, was called, but uh, yeah, I don't know if I would have done that because El Chapo, man, you don't know how that can go. You can end up being an internet video, and these guys because these guys do beheadings all the time. These guys are absolute ruthless. Uh, they do acid. They, they'll put your body in acid. I mean, they they do so many bad things that it's just unbelievable. 
And if you haven't seen how brutal these guys are with each other, you can go online on YouTube or wherever, and you can see the videos, what these guys do with each other. They, they have, they start early as killers. Sicario, I mean, how do these guys rise up? This guy, El Chapo or, or, or uh, Cervantes, they both came from absolute poverty. One, one guy was selling oranges in the street. The other they guy selling avocado. Streets. Absolute poverty to mm -hmm. being, now they're saying Cervantes, El Mencho is worth about $50 billion. Oh. The Mexican government put a 50 he, He's billion. in Kentucky, heavy you know in Kentucky. These guys learn how to kill early. And I have a question about El Chapo, though, real quick, because this is recent um, with Biden and his traveling <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, schedule. But El Chapo, one of his kids was just arrested not too long ago, like yeah. a month, month, month or two Less ago. Less than that. Yeah. Less than that. Yeah. So is that a big deal? Because I would... I think El Chapo, Rick, we talked about this a little bit. I think he had like 20 kids or something. Is that a big deal that El uh, Chapo, one of his sons, was he the, was he the major person in that cartel? He, he, he's, he's involved, but guess what? There's always someone going to step up. When you got uh, billions and billions of dollars, you got the nephew, you got other. He has like four, four brothers. Someone else is going to step up. I mean, that's just not. It doesn't end well. The, drug, the war on drugs is a disaster for our country because – the partners we have are all corrupt. They're they're, they're implicit oh, with this. They're we involved. Got, in we this. got a president that has a son that smokes a crack pipe all the time. It's all over. Yeah, he's, and he's we're giving a, out free crack pipes now too. Yeah, he's, uh, a he's, okay. he's, a, he's an embarrassment too. He's an embarrassment, a winner, and then now he's blaming that the laptop laptop was stolen. Right? I didn't say that. Now, hey, pops, man. Tell him that the laps, laptop was stolen. I almost, you know, that's, he's covering himself now. I almost think it was an outcry. I think he wanted to get caught in many aspects because he, he was tired of the abuse and the things that he was going <laughs> under. And now he's backtracking because now he knows how powerful everybody is and he's scared. <laughs> okay, Rick, go ahead. I'm sorry. So you're, you're, you're working in, um, for customs. Well, about Biden. Let's make a quick comment here before we go on. Victor Bout, since you mentioned the, yes. the, the absolute disaster with Biden, was there. I had a book there, One and Done, by the way. I wrote the book on Victor Bout. I read Bout. that. Oh, you did? I uh, read months, both. But months before all this happened, these are part of my predictions, right? I, I predicted mm -hmm. One and Done, I were in April of last year before the election, that Nancy Pelosi would be gone, that the House, mm -hmm. I thought it'd be bigger, but they took the House. It took Ken McCarthy a lot of votes, a lot of time, a lot of rounds, but he, he got Speaker of the House. Not very popular with a lot of people, I understand. But it, it beats Nancy Pelosi being there that anytime. Oh, yes. You better. Like Hammer I said, time. Hammer and, time. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and her whole story with her husband, that's kind of bizarre. It was in itself. What happened there? That's another story. We'll have to leave out. Yeah. We'll, we'll, get, we'll part two, everybody. <laughs> yeah. We'll part two that one there. But Victor, Victor Bout, the merchant of death, the, the <laughs> war of Lord, Lord of War, right? What, what, if you haven't seen that movie, check that out. And uh, Nicolas Cage, 2005, and Ethan Hawke's playing the uh, in, the agent from Interpol chasing him around the world, right? And there's a lot of documentaries about him there. But this guy, he, he got popped in an elaborate – and people who don't know who he is, Victor Bout, they don't know the exchange with, with Brittany Griner. I mean, yeah, she was mm -hmm. a very good basketball player, but she had small amount of hashish oil when she was arrested. She was very popular in Moscow. She was a WNBA player. She had won in the uh, – the championship over there, I think six-time All-Star. Okay, great. But you don't they don't compare to for the exchange. Normally it has to be equal. This guy is the merchant of death. We have a Marine over there or somebody in military. Paul so Paul Whelan, he's a former Marine, right? 
He's there. He's done four years, and they, they hit him with a trumped-up espionage charge. So like I said, Biden is like playing checkers, and, and Putin is playing chess because yes, they, they, they arrest our Americans on BS charges, right? And, and yet he asks and demands for the worst of the worst to come out. I mean, these guys were KGB together. Bout was in the Soviet Army together. He was a linguistic specialist. The guy mastered 11 languages from Farsi to Arabic to Portuguese uh, to English, Russian, French. You name it. The guy used those skill sets. And when 91 happened, the Soviet Union collapsed. This guy took over and he he became the, the biggest, most infamous arms trafficker in the world. Used an, an enormous transport company. And all of a sudden, he pretty much lit Africa on fire. He put that continent on fire from, from guys who fight in wars with machetes to now fighting with AK-47s and beyond. And that's why the movie Blood Diamonds also was popular. He took oh, Blood Diamonds came in. Yeah, yeah Leo DiCaprio. He took payment in anything. It wasn't just have to be dollars. He got paid in Blood Diamonds. He would make more. So he, he, he started, he was tied in with Gaddafi. He was tied in. Well, I was going to talk about Gaddafi, though. Yeah. But see, the Clintons were trying to do legal, legal weapons trades in Libya. So yeah. when all that stuff went down, and, and that's what they try to kill off. Well, they did kill off Gaddafi, but Gaddafi was making Libya one of the most financially impressive uh, cities or countries in, in, in that area um, at the time. Like the, the education was free, electricity was free. He was, uh, he was, he was a, he's a socialist communist, just like Castro. He was he was a communist socialist. He he stole the money. He was corrupt. His whole family was corrupt. And you know who killed him at the end? his own people. They had enough of this guy and they grabbed him. And when he was trying to escape, the drones fired upon him. His convoy got blown up, blown up. And all of a sudden he's running. And that's when they get him in the tunnel and they kill him. So Matt, Matt Lemmings is watching. He's one of my friends. So thank you, Matt, for watching real quick. He wants to, he has a question. Is our leaders purposely inadequate? I think he has, he has health issues for sure. I think he makes bad decisions. Uh, I don't think he'll make it for the other term, like 2024. I think Ron DeSantis or Do you someone... think they put him in there purposely to be inadequate? Like, do you think that they knew that this stuff was coming? Because Kamala Harris, nobody likes her, period, even before she was VP. Like, nobody liked her. Like, I don't think she's fit either to be president of the United States. So I, I think we, we've got Do you really... think they did this on purpose? Do you think there's somebody in the basement? I hope so. I would hope there's someone in the basement. We need someone in the basement because these two are. Rick's in the basement. <laughs> uh, Rick, 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 you're in the basement. Maybe I'm in the basement too. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we should. This show's already been red flagged, so you know. So right now it's just all. No, I'm sorry. Everybody <laughs> yeah, go to Illuminisauce.org. Illuminisauce.org um, to see this show, and I will post. No, this but this is just video. an opinion. But these are books that have. These are my predictions that came true, right? These so, are things that came. We're not saying anything negative about anything else, but the predictions came true that. Uh, they 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 lost the house, which I predicted w would happen. I, I the Senate was close, right. and and that they're having he he's going to have a lot of issues with the upcoming election. In my in my opinion, I think the Santas could be a runaway. And he, Santas, he it was a red Santas wave in Florida. Running, Rick, it was a, it was a huge red wave in Florida. I mean, he crushed he it. Needs, he guess, needs to keep Christ. he needs to keep Florida red, in my yeah. opinion. But he has not announced that he's running for president. Yeah, I like it. I like your shirt. That's a perfect for your shirt there. I like it. Oh no, I am I am a red waver over here. Yes, yes. But I like but I let me tell you this. I don't like DeSantis in some ways. Oh, you don't? Oh. So, 
I, I think both parties are super corrupt. And when I start following the money and I find out the same people that sponsored uh, Obama are the same people that sponsored DeSantis, I have questions. Yeah, I have questions I have too. I have questions. I'd rather have DeSantis in power than this guy. That's for sure. It's like, it's like uh, hey, do I like Kevin McCarthy? Do I think he's kind of wishy-washy? Yeah. But do I, I like him a lot better than uh, Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> oh, I like him more than Nancy Pelosi. But oh, I, after listening to, I, I'm not, I can't stand Marjorie Taylor Greene. I, I'm sorry that this is I do not I like her. She's, she's I think she's state. out there. Yeah, absolutely. She, yeah, I, I don't like her. I've watched some of her trading. Uh, what do you games. think of George Santos? <laughs> I love his heart. He doesn't even know who he is. Who, who is that <laughs> guy? Uh, I, think, I, I saw a picture of him as a drag queen in Brazil. I think he's. I, I, I honestly think maybe he's in there. To Rick, you didn't think you'd get involved in this, did we, man? This is a great show now. Yeah, I think no. he's a spy. Yeah. I think he's spying. There's it, some kind it, of covert just, thing going on. That I don't whole know. The strangest thing I've ever seen, and I've been watching politics. I have never seen anything like George Santos in my life. That is the hottest topic right now. He's a spy. There's something going on. He's down in a basement late no, at night. No, 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 no. If he was a spy, he'd do a better job of, you know, hiding his secrets. Like he told Blake. No, lies. it's always in plain Arbolized. sight. It's always in plain sight. And the fact that. that Do you think other pretty... people are sitting here thinking that he's a spy? I, I think he's just crazy. To be honest with you, I, I think he has one of those split personalities where but he decides he is. To something and then he becomes something else because he denies that he dresses up. He's a cross-dresser and he goes into these oh, festivals and he becomes somebody else. Which, which like it's Jim. okay. It's completely okay. Hoover, Hoover. As but long as you, you know, you're honest to the J. American J. people. Was a cross -dresser, in a position said, of power. Right? The, head the, the head of the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, was a cross-dresser. I would be, I would be surprised if Bush is at this point. Which but, it, but, it's okay. People can do, you know, whatever they're want. accepting sure. in their just own. Just don't kill depravity. people. Just don't kill kids, especially. And I want to talk about Shift and Chateau Marmont because Shift, I, I troll him on Twitter. I'll just tell you that. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. But but President there's President George Bush. But this is bribery. Bribery. Well, President George Bush is a whole other story that we can talk into, and Barbara Bush and all that. But bribery, here, here's something I want to get into, because we have Jeffrey Epstein, we have all this stuff going on, and the more you follow the money, the more you follow the trial, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but yet all of these people are super quiet. So when it comes to the Mexican cartels or it comes with government and all this drug trafficking, all this gun trafficking and stuff, yeah. what is bribery? Like, does I, obviously I think it works. So how well, much money works. do these cartels spend in bribing people to stay quiet or not say anything? Like uh, how, during, how during much the, is going during out the, during the trial uh, with El, uh, El Chapo, right. In, in, in New York and in, uh, in the Manhattan, it came out that people said that uh, who testified during the prosecution that he had accounts of over $50 million just to bribe officials necessary to get what they need done right there. And allegedly, allegedly, uh, Peña Nieto, who was a president at the time uh, before uh, Lopez Obrador, uh, he was paid uh, allegedly over $100 million. He wanted $250 million, and El Chapo said, no, I'll pay you $100 million. And allegedly, he took it. Then he said, and I'll look the other way. You can be a fugitive for the rest of your life. So if, if, the, if the guy on the top is on the take, then forget it. Like I said, we, we have no chance of the war on drugs. I always said the best thing we have to do is we need treatment. We need people because if people stop using the stuff, they go out of business in the drug game, right? They're not going to stop using it. That's, Come that's on. They're not going to stop. There's no way. There's that's no bump. way. 
Yeah, people need. To I start- live in the number. Like I live. If you watch the documentary Heroin on Netflix, that's my town. We were also oh. Huntington, West Virginia. We were called the overdose capital of the nation. Oh, like wow. I know drugs. My brother and I used to help people get into drug rehab until COVID happened. We're getting ready to start back up. We had concerts and everything. We'd get like 30 some people into rehab every year. Oh, that's good. But the people that would relapse, like the numbers, like it, it, it's not that's, that's, that's a crisis because so you know you know you've funny. said before that that you're you know we're losing the war on drugs right oh, for sure clearly we've so lost it. i'd like to propose like what if there was a crazy scenario out there where the united states was just like you know what we're gonna make drugs legal we're gonna reduce demand for these Mexican drugs. We're going to tax the shit out of it, right? We're going to spend all that money on rehabilitation and we are going to not allow these cartels to have power over, you know, our borders and over our officials to bribe them. What's wrong with that idea? I I think we we learned our lessons from prohibition, right? Remember prohibition with alcohol? That's what made the outfit Al Capone so rich and powerful. You had to bring outsiders in and they said, you know, it said 1933, it's over. It's legalized. We're taxing it. We're done with it. Uh, I think marijuana. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think in almost every state, it's going to be it's legalized for medical reasons, a lot for personal use. As long as you're not violent with it. So I think marijuana. I think we're going to get right. there. But I, I'm not sure the country is ready to see that for heroin and cocaine because how addicting. Um, I mean, cocaine is a little different, but heroin can really be really bad, especially with the pill addiction, and all that. If you're addicted Literally. to heroin, can you not find a place to get it? Is it not? easy accessible whether, whether it's legal whether it's not you're gonna oh, find it easy. you're gonna find you're it, find yeah, it. So yeah, if, if you it. have to go to you know a doctor who gives it to you for free you know it's my my younger self is like i can't believe you're saying this but if you have to go to a doctor where it's free where they can treat it and then talk to you about you know mental and some changes and have you know charities that are going to help you like is that not walk a system? out the door and sell it ten times stronger for the people that don't want to get caught? No, they're going to give it to you there and they're going to make sure you take it and there's still going to be you know the outlier scenarios where we do blah, that blah, with blah, controlled blah. drugs right now. We do that with oxycotton and and, and, and tabs and and all this stuff. No, it's not. It's going to be. Well, what do we do, Emily? Now. How do you solve the problem then? Well, right. Is is that I think if we make it legalized, it's just going to go out the yin yang. Like it's going to be absolutely rampant even more. I think so too. Yeah. And I will say this with the drug issue in jail, if you go to jail, if you go to prison, most of the time, unless you're dealing with the cartels and stuff that you dealt with, Ignacio, um, it is especially the weed people, they're nonviolent individuals. So they're going to get, they're going to get in jail a lot longer because it's cheap labor. In many of the states, you get your license plates, you get all that kind of stuff from that cheap labor. Actually, flipping Kamala Harris can tell you all about it out in California. And and (laughs) they stay a whole lot longer than these violent offenders. And and that's ridiculous. Yeah, I've always said we we, we just stop clogging the judicial system with with these bogus cases, these smaller ZT tolerance. Uh, No, uh, you have to give these people the help they need. Uh, Small people who are addicts, users. We want, and this is what I did as an ATF agent, you, you spend your resources dealing with the worst of the worst, right? With the worst mm-hmm. violent offenders, the worst gang members, the worst armed home invasion crews, the worst, you know, armed drug dealers, you know, the worst you know, international traffickers. You focus on the worst because you really can't spin your wheels on, the, on these little cases because it just clogs the whole system. And that's something you have to get smarter in policing. And I think we had mentioned about policing and what a black eye we saw in Memphis 
and what happened with Terry uh, Nicholson, right? Terry Nicholson. Terry Nicholson. We're going to bring that up but real quick. Matt, Matt asked a question, and this is true, federally speaking. Federally speaking, with marijuana, don't you have to give up your right to own a firearm for medical use of marijuana? And, and that is under the fire firearms guidelines. You can't, you can't be a drug user, right? So that's something. Right. That so is that a way out. that they're going to try to take away our firearms? Something you have to work with. Just, just like the uh, the arm brace now, right? It, you could have one, and now you have to you have the you have to register them now to pay the two hundred dollar tax stamp. I don't believe in that. I think that's wrong. Like the bump stock. Remember all the people who bought the bump stock to make their guns shoot like automatics, right? Semiotically, it shoots faster. Uh, after that happened with Stephen Paddock and still now, still the worst mass shooting ever, what happened in Las Vegas, because that idiot uh, and all the killings he did, it became late ATF rule that made it illegal, right? So if you bought it, you purchase it. I feel bad when the rules change like that, when people, and I don't agree with it, you know, especially veterans and people with disabilities who needs a stabilizer, you know, to shoot the pistol and help some straighten out. But they're saying, oh, you're making it now. Now you have an unregistered short barrel, you know, shotgun or rifle, right? And you're using it without paying the NFA stuff. So now they're making people who have it to pay that. I don't, I don't think that's right either, but that's a decision. You know, I'm retired now, so I can say these things. So <laughs> I assume, you know, former law enforcement, you know, very... Um, pro-gun right we've i am well, trained, i'm very pro second amendment for sure tra trained extensively right and, and on that's and that's one thing rick when people know people think atf agents are against firearms most of the guys i work with are very pro second oh, amendment yeah. and very pro firearms so you're running let's say you're running for for congress right uh -huh. and you're standing up giving a press conference and they say mr esteban tell me your stance on, on drugs, you know, all of our kids are dying. What, what is your stance on drugs? What are your stance on guns? How are you going to take the guns off the streets? What's your response? No, you don't want to take the guns. You want more guns. You want, you want law-abiding citizens to have the guns. Because if you've seen, let, let's look at an example here of what happened in Monterey. Look at, I wrote a book about the worst mass shootings in U.S. history and how it stopped them happening. And what are the solutions I gave? And you watch the consistent pattern of what we're having is that the people who are in gun-free zones who are not armed are victimized and those who are armed look at the mall in indiana a few months ago the guy who had a weapon the guy comes out of the food court right yeah, he's in the true. bathroom he comes gears out he starts shooting people he addresses the guy immediately and kills him right mm -hmm. well guess what would happen he wasn't there police mm -hmm. hadn't arrived he would have killed all those people in the food court it would have been a house of horrors oh, again so that's the lesson we have to learn is a good guy with a gun will always try to address the bad guy with a gun and we need people who are out there protecting and doing it. Uh, how about at school? Yeah, that's another black guy. What happened to Uvalde at Robin Elementary? 77 oh, minutes. that's so much stuff going, going on there. there. Have you followed the money into that little city? Have you followed the money? No, I have not followed that, no. Follow the money into that little city. That's that little city is half the size of my city, and it gets three times as much more money than we do here in Ashland, Kentucky. Uh -huh. I have questions. Um, I, have, but I, I, I just want to throw this out here. I have a question too here about social media, but I just want to tell you when Putin tells people to keep your guns, don't let your government take your guns. Believe me, don't let the government take our guns. Keep no, your guns. I believe in guns. I believe that people should have it legally. Absolutely. But so these cartels and this stuff that's going on, because there's, you know, we have, we have the thing that we, we traded that gun guy, um, Victor, what was Victor his Bout. name? Victor Bout, and yeah, the, the merchant. Or the basketball player. We have a kind of godfather type scene that happened with Russia with the car bomb. 
over there maybe think of the mafia or, or mobster related related issues do these people keep since we're so 2023 20, now do these people keep like social media like are can we find these individuals on social media <laughs> el chapo have a facebook account el chapo i don't think i'll chop i don't think a bunch of like i said eventual because he was prior law enforcement and i'll finish the story he's not like escobar and he's like el chapo chapo's down the supermax right so Eventually, yeah. he, he got caught, and I don't, I don't, he won't escape a third he's time. I'll tell you that. He, he, he's in a short cell, he's in a tiny little cell, and he, and I heard rumors that he's fed up and, and he wants to cooperate. And the question is, what can he do? Well, maybe he knows where Mencho is because he is hiding in Guadalajara and he has security teams around him. He doesn't live like Escobar and doesn't live like El Chapo. Uh, this guy lives very modestly, he hides a lot, and when he sees unusual cars or movement. His security team moves him to a different place and hides again. So very different guy. Lots of money, lots of wealth, but he's a different cat than these other two. And he wants to be, you know, the next Escobar. He, he's he's now feeling that CJNG, the Jalisco New Generation, can be now bigger than Sinaloa. Well, El Minto's girlfriend got caught here in Lexington and yes, arrested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, his bounty now is bigger than El, El Chapo was. His bounty right now from the U.S. government is $10 million. El Chapo, after escaping the second time, was five million. So you that's don't think what, these that's people what know where they are? Exactly. Don't you think they do balloon balloon? Like we balloons? have a China balloon. <laughs> balloon yeah. Like, don't you think they do balloon <laughs> technology or something here? They know where these people are. There's there's a kickback somewhere. Well, it's corruption. Yeah, I agree. The Mexican government's protecting them. They know where. I think the, the police know where he's at. But they're part of. He, he remember he's fifty billion dollars. He he can buy. And like I say, they, they have the character stick. Either they, they buy you or they kill you, right? I'll give you a chance. Now we'll do House of Horrors, not just to you, but to your family and everybody else in between and teach you a lesson. This is what happens when people mess with us and they do really sadistic things when they do it. Dismemberings. I mean, these guys are really into this. And, and some of these guys are psychopath, bloodthirsty, extremely bloodthirsty, and they really enjoy the killings. And, and they have special rooms sometimes. They bring people in, you know, Losetas. Well, famous for, for their special rooms and, and how they would even target innocent people because they want to work on their craft. They would hijack a bus, take this innocent people, bring them back and just commit house of horrors on these people because they enjoyed it. They'll, they'll like cook them like a pig. Right. And see how they die like that. They'll bring them in these back rooms. And sometimes I was reading they would do like a coliseum where they give one guy a hammer, one guy a club, kill each other. And that one who survives goes to the next round. And the one who survives and kills like eight or ten people that were in that bus, all right, you're a killer. We're going to offer you a job as a Sicario. And I bet it's a job you can't turn down. That's terrifying. Yeah. You're undercover for ATF. What's the longest um, you were undercover playing a specific role? I was about maybe two and a half years. Jeez, two and a half years. But I remember, I also go home and stuff like that. It's not yeah. like I, I live so with these people. I, I don't. I don't live with these people. So I, the I come question... home, you, have to, you have to deal in these cases and deal with them. And you have to. But you, what you do have to do, and kind of you do, you, you you know, you have to do things. And and in case you get a call on a Sunday night, have your phone ready. You got to be prepared. You can't just turn off. Say, I'm watching the game. I don't care what happens. It's Sunday night or whatever. Life is good, and you always got to be prepared to respond and do something. The life of an agent. Is uh, and not just with bad guys, but with informants. I had a lot of informants, and you have your life, and you're helping deal with their lives and their issues, and they're calling you with their problems. 
So you got to solve all, all their hit headaches they got going on too. So it could be Christmas Day and you get a call and he says, man, I need help. This just happened. It's like, man, you got to deal with, with his headaches or the, her headaches or what, whatever. It's it's not an easy job. It's like it's not a job for everybody. That's for sure because, you know, it's, it could be if you want to be like ATF's a smaller outfit than FBI and DA. So I had to wear many hats. Not only was I on the cover, but I was a case agent and I would deal with the property. I would do my own intelligence workup. Because I had to do more things. I want to get things done. And I was good at multitasking. ATF is super cr critical, too. Because when I, when I think of ATF, I think of Waco. Yeah, and Waco. and that, that was my first experience of researching when I was young. I was born in 1981, but that that happened yeah. in the few short five eight, years. Five, eight SRT, five SWAT agents were murdered by, by uh, David Koresh's guys in there. The yeah. yeah. So um, go ahead, Rick. I knew you, you had another question there. So, and I guess what I was getting to was, yeah. I, you know, I always imagine myself being undercover, right? Playing a role. Yeah. Explain, like, you form relationships. And over two and a half years, like, you might even have, you know, fake friendships, but friendships. And you know people's families and you meet their families sure. and they know this version of you that doesn't exist. Is there ever a time or walk me through when you have to tell that person like, Hey, by the way, you know, you're busted. Um, you know, is that ever that awkward conversation? Like I think it is, or do you just never see them again? And they find out after the fact that you were, you know, sometimes, you know, the case I, I mentioned, I, we had a search warrant. It was at venture was a by bus, a search warrant. And, and about 10 minutes after the, the person came in the house, he tried barricade himself. The guys hit the door to arrest him. And, uh, about, 15, 20 minutes, I identified myself and, and told my, you know, I'm also, I'm a, I'm a ATF agent and uh, I, I show my credentials and, uh, and explain to him, but you have to understand that you're doing this. What's his response? What's his, what's his first response? He, his, his response is like, they shake their head or they're like, like this, or they, they they're disbelief, right? Mm -hmm. they disbelief. It means because you're good at your job. Yeah. They're in disbelief. They're not happy. And um, they, they realize, you know, you talk to them and, most of them get on board because the evidence is so strong, right? I'm doing all these hand-to-hand -hand buys with you know drugs and guns from them that you know most people, when confronted, will get on board and cooperate because everybody has a source, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody can give up who is a heroin source, who is a cocaine source, who is a gun source. They always give up somebody else. And the system is set up, the federal system, is set up for people to cooperate and, and to give up that, that next level. And that's how you keep on rolling people. So most people, they're like that. But I remember it's a job, right? I'm pretending so I can gain the best evidence to put these people away because they're a problem. I mean, I remember after we did that search warrant, this was in Hollywood, Florida, that uh, many people in the neighborhood, because this guy was selling drugs for like eight years, right? Cuban guy who was there, he, they came up and uh, they congratulated, they said, thank you for getting rid of this guy. I'm, I'm so happy. I was so sick of seeing all that movement and people coming in there. And that felt good. Yeah, I felt good to hear that because uh, it, it was a problem for the area. You don't want your kids seeing this guy selling. He was selling he was selling drugs all the time. There was so much activity at that house. It, it was just unbelievable. So at least in that block, that area, we made the neighbors happy and make them feel safer because you never know how things are turn out. You can always get a shootout or something could happen like that. So for sure. You're, you're over your career. The opinions of, of like the American public on law enforcement has kind of changed significantly. And maybe now since you've retired, it continues to move in a particular direction. What are your thoughts on on how people 
kind of with the perception of of you know our brothers in blue and and even from the federal side and how do you think that we um the law enforcement community combats that and and comes to terms with what's yeah. happening and move forward i think we talked a little bit about tyree nichols right about yes. what, what, what a black eye for uh, for law enforcement but it, it's more not just for law enforcement i think you know bigger black eye was what happened to Ovalde. That was an absolute failure right there. 77 minutes. Not gonna be, and I, I do active shoot training when, when I was in ATF. And, and you're training. You got two or three guys. Shots are being fired. You go in there. I mean, these kids had nothing. These teachers had nothing. You're armed outside waiting. And he's just committing house of horrors. There was parents that were going in there rescuing their they're kids. They're trying to the side of the school. I mean, they're willing to go in there. They're willing to go. And they're getting tased. They're getting pepper sprayed. And they're getting arrested because the perimeter team would not let them in there. That's unconscionable. You got to see all the was it, it was who went in finally? Wasn't it like feds it, it, that went in? No, it, yeah, feds. Yeah, it, it was the Bortac. Uh, it was the Border Patrol team. It just it happened called, to be in the area. They were, no, they were called in. They were miles away. And uh, it okay. took them a while to get out there. And they were saying, what is going on here? And they want to hold them back. And they said no. But they were already there. Feds there on the scene from, uh, I think, HSI and DEA. And um, they, 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 they said the chief there – on the small police department there made an awful decision. Uh, you got to save those kids' lives. It, it wasn't a hostage. Once you start shooting, it's not a hostage, hostage situation when you're not shooting. Once yep. you start shooting, you got to go in because he's going to kill, kill, kill. And it's it's horrible. And, and we, what happened in Memphis, uh, those guys just lost their minds. And and, and once they, they, they got him and they started stomping and beating and everything else, they, they went from being police officers to thugs. And that's all thuggery. Mob mentality. That was thuggery. Complete well, thuggery. The, it's thuggery and, and uh, you know we talked about this a little bit before we went live and i'm just going to put this out there if anybody's listening to this right now please look me up you can submit it through my website emilymintos.org or find me on social media i've researched these guys out i cannot find them on the payroll of memphis police department so well, they've, been, they've been fired now that's for sure well they weren't on the payroll in 2022 they were not on the payroll in 2021 so if anybody wants to research these fellas out and get with me, please, please, please do. I could be wrong. I'm only human. I'm in Kentucky. So I want to I want to know the money. I always call the money. I have a bachelor's degree in accounting yeah. and finance. Oh, I follow great. the money. That's good. You know? That's good. So so I you know, I have questions. I have a lot of questions with this. I think this guy was targeted. The neighborhood he was in was not that gangster. It was a really nice neighborhood. There's something going on with this. I think it's politically motivated in yeah, some ways. He, he was a nice guy. He's a photographer. He had a yeah, he son. did skate, he did skateboarding Skates, and stuff. Videos. He he did a lot of stuff. He he I mean, I, I don't Something understand. Something doesn't feel right in my spirit they, about they say it. Re reckless drive. I never seen for a traffic stop. He, a guy get yanked out of the car for a traffic stop like that. That that is just unbelievable. Something, and then all, I, all of a sudden, think, I think they're actors. I think they were hired. Yeah, and 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 then and the way they they well, end what? up. What was the end goal there? They lost. No, you say lost their minds. They lost their minds. Uh, yeah. and, and and they Politically just. Motivated. I, I think they were so embarrassed. The police. They they were so embarrassed. This young kid was able to get away from them after they employed the taser. And he had a sweater on. He takes the sweater off and he holds it and he goes, and one of the guys goes, Oh it. my gosh. And, he, and he, they are pissed. I said, I'm going to stomp him. And, and, and that that's when it gets, when they get a hold of that guy, it's, they, they show no mercy. Well, we, do, I support the men in blue. You know, as a professional, what you do is you handcuff the guy, you bring it, and the system is the one that punishes him. They want to be the street punishers.
and look at that. Now they, they're gonna, they, the lives are over. There's something weird. There's something weird there. So if anybody has any research on it, please message me. Look, uh, you can submit it through the website, emilymissas.org. Um, we got got about three minutes left here, okay. Ignacio. If people, you need a website. Do you have a website? I couldn't find your website. No, I'm, I'm a, you I'm need a, a website. I, I know. Facebook, you can find me on Facebook and then on Amazon. You type in Amazon, you see all my books there yes. with Ignacio Esteban. So Facebook, Amazon, LinkedIn, and uh, I'm, uh, and of course, Google my name. You'll see all the shows I've been on. I've been, I can't believe there have already been 60 shows I've been on. We've and, wrote and 60 books now too, 60 right? books and 60 shows. How about that? You, you <laughs> write books faster than most people read books. Yeah, and they're, and they're short reads, folks. So understand they're, they're short books, short reads, but they're, they're very informative. My autobiography is the longest. That's about about 20, 25,000 words, but the other ones are smaller. But like I said, if you don't know anything about Victor Bout, read my book. You don't know anything about the DC sniper cases, which I was out there for that, or Muhammad and Mavo, read, read my book. I mean, there's so much more we can talk about. Yep. You know, you don't think about Castro and the mob. What happened to the mafia, the rise and fall of the mafia in Havana? You can read that. You don't know about El Mancho, El Chapo. I just did a book on biker gangs, some of the worst oh, biker, biker girls in, in, in world history. And, and you really can see how, how they're even worse. Like in Australia, they call them bikies, and they're horrible. The Nordic battles, if you don't have seen the Nordic wars between the Hells Angels and the Banditos. I want to know about China. I want to China, know about another Xi Jinping. I want to know. We don't talk about that much very uh, on the shows that I have people come on, you know, guests come on. We don't. So that, me saying that Kim means that you got to come back and, on. That's yeah, and Kim Young un Little Rocket Man. I'll rub book oh, a little, little rocket man. man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you so much. I love the show. Sure, it's awesome. Yeah. It's a You're going to have show. to come back. It always yeah. goes by super, super fast. We Dude. thank you. No, very thank much. you guys. All right. Hopefully, we All do right. it again. Yeah. Yes, we will. We'll, thank you we'll let so you much. know and, and we'll be scheduling a date soon. So, thank awesome. you so much for coming on. All right. Thank you for your audience. Take care, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Talk to there you. There we go. We had Ignacio Esteban on. Yeah, we and did. It sounds like a mafia name too. I think it's because it ends with a vowel. His first name. Oh, like always, I had a billion things I needed to talk to him about. I well, I had two check marks on my page. On my page here, look at all my notes. I had Dude. two check marks, and that's it. Oh my god, I'm just looking at the stuff. It's like he's coming back on. I'm scheduling his... already. Whatever. I'm scheduling him already. He's gonna have to come back on. I'm gonna have to move somebody. I'm sorry if anybody's listening to this. I want to move you. I think. <laughs> I think people want to hear some more details about like specific cases, like the, yeah, the actual, so um, the, the places he found himself. We didn't, oh, this is all your fault. This is all your fault. You no. just go on these, geez. Oh, I'm so mad at you right now. Because of politics, you know that. Because I'm on another show here on 107.7 uh, FM, New Orleans at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Centralist. You, that you need to come on one night, yeah, Rick. No. That's not my, it's not my, I don't know. I'll get, I'll get, you guys would destroy me. I would chewed up, spit out. Um, I feel like, you know, like with your, your, the one thing I've learned from hanging out with you um, is just every situation isn't as it seems, right? There's always it's like not, several layers. Like life on. is an onion and you just anybody. got keep peeling. And I'm like, damn, what if it is just like what it is? You know, like what if this is just the way it presents itself? But no, 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 it's not. I wasn't, wasn't also, I'll watch. Just, like, just like the police officers in Memphis. Everybody go research that out. Find out if these people are on the payroll. If they are, message me because I need to know. I need to know. 
So next week, next week we're going to be live here again at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday night. But we have, we are going to be interviewing a president of a country. So, oh my God, this is the most famous the person States. I've ever talked to. It's within the United States. It's a different country in our country that doesn't abide by anything in the United States. They have their own rules and regulations. It's the country of Malaysia. We have His Excellency, the President, Kevin Ball. That's on. Did you know that there was a country within a country? Did you not know until, this? Not until you told me in that episode of Family Guy um, where <laughs> Peter makes his own country and has like Fidel Castro and you know, all those guys over to hang out and have a pool party. You have to have a passport to go to this country. Oh, wow. All right. I'm, in I'm the United forward. States. This is going to be all next Friday at 7 p.m. Yeah. Eastern Standard Time. So we thank you, everybody. We love you. Thank you so thank much. You for in. Share this out to everybody on your social media platforms. This helps our show, our guests, the network, everything. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in at 107.7 FM. New Orleans, we'll see you all next week, Friday, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you. Have a wonderful yep. First weekend of February. Good night, everybody. Good night. Chew them up tonight, Emily. Bro, we're still live. Hey, everybody. Um, thanks for tuning in.